Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Life as Leadership podcast. Today we're going to be discussing Monday's interview with Jim Ramos, and I'm excited to discuss this a little bit more. Joining me to discuss the episode are my friends and fellow leaders, Maria Hardiman and Parker Batista. What did y'all think about uh, Monday's interview? I enjoyed it, man. Um, It was good. I think Jim is spot on uh, with what he covers and just the challenge that he has towards the men and uh, just for them to get in the arena and not stay in the bleachers. Yeah, I always think it's great to hear from a male perspective what's going on in life how do I want to be proactive how do I want to take initiative and that challenges me as a woman how how can I do the same yeah so one of the things that Jim talked about is the Pareto principle which is this idea that 20% of the people do 80% of the work Mm -hmm. and I'm wondering what is it that's separate And, and that's not just for for men or anything else it's throughout life and my question is, what is it that tends to separate the 20% from the 80%, especially when it comes to leadership? I think that part of it is the 20% happen to see maybe quicker sometimes a solution or a way that they can take initiative. And it's not always by uh, wanting to take control, but saying, hey, I see this and I just have it in my heart to do it. Um, So I think of like that heart posture of just saying, I'm just going to go for it. And maybe that's having um, courage, you know, just to do the right thing in the moment. Yeah, it's about seeing those opportunities, but also having the ability to uh, encourage people, to Mm -hmm. attract people, to come along with you. Because, you know, it's the whole thing. If you're a leader, you're going to have people following you. And if you call yourself a leader, no one's following you then you may not be a leader. You may just be someone out there doing something crazy by yourself. Mm -hmm. And I always find it particularly interesting how many leaders or how many people that do take initiative say, oh, I did that. I started that. I thought that that was just a personal decision. I wanted to do it. And then I just happened to have influence with these people. And I find that particularly interesting. Yeah. When I think about it, you're breaking down the difference between the 80 and the 20. I break it down pretty simply in that the hardest thing for me in leadership is getting started and then sustaining that so i think getting started the hardest thing is vulnerability and just your tolerance for risk and maybe to look silly in front of others and then sustaining that the way that he defined you know what's the difference in the end between the 80 and 20 and that's the ability to hang in there to outlast the rest and to stay in the game so outlasting because how many people do get started just because there's 20 percent of the people doing 80 percent of the work mm-hmm. doesn't mean just 20 percent of the people started out doing something mm-hmm. it's those 20 percent who have stayed the course over time yeah i think a lot more than 20 percent start the race and i would even say that i would wonder if 20 percent 
finish, especially when it comes to, to great leadership. You think of so many leaders in our world, you hear about them and they end up significantly messing up. And sometimes it's later in life. You, you expect leaders to have it all together, but but they also struggle with difficulty and, and just staying, staying the course is so important in leadership, being consistent in what you're doing. Hmm. Maybe it's the 90, 10 rule. And there you go. There you <laughs> go. An- another thing that Jim talked about was the importance of mission. He talked about how in his organization, they, they, they question whether or not they're actually following their mission every time they meet together at their board meeting and that they won't change their mission unless they, meet three times and unanimously vote each time to change it. So it's, it's something that once they, once they get their mission, it's something that really drives what they're doing. And I think everyone has a mission statement and a lot of people don't change it that frequently. They'll usually keep it. But my question is, are there many organizations that you've seen that actually use their mission, keep it out of the forefront and let it affect what they're doing? Do you know of organizations like that as you think back through organizations that you've been involved with, whether as a student or as an employee or anything else? Yeah, I think I've been a part of a few and it's really refreshing to be a part of those organizations because it's so easy for us personally and me personally and organizations to start off with a mission at the forefront, but then money and outcome and, and other things become a distraction to that mission. So I've been a part of a few. I think I've been a part of a lot more that were not mission driven. And that was one of the things that he said that money can so easily become a driving factor. And that can just, even if you don't change your mission, it can really drive you away from, from living into that mission. And so one of the things he talked about is being a nonprofit was important for men in the arena because it allowed them to stay true to their cause. They're a cause-driven organization. And when, when they don't have other pressures like money, the, the, the allure of, of making more money, when they don't have those types of things that are drawing them away from their mission— then they can really focus on what's most important to what they're doing. And Jim sounded really joyful as he was explaining all of this. It wasn't a stressful topic. It was, hey, right, this is what we do. This is our mission, and we love it, and we do it unapologetically. And I really like that. Have you seen, Maria, any organizations that you think do a good job of following their mission? I have. There are a couple of small groups that I've been a part of that have kept it very simple. This is our mission. This is what we do. And we had the money conversation as well. And once we just kind of ruled that out, it was easy to stay on task and and be joyful about what we were doing. And I will say the church I go to every Sunday, we say our mission statement, which I think is pretty unique. I can't say that I've been to many churches in the past that have done that. And just every, every single person who goes to the church long enough knows it. And even if you don't have it memorized, if you're visiting the church, you at least know what we believe. So it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's out there in the open, pretty clearly stated. And when I think about, you know, good businesses to say, Hey, they have this, this very quality, clear outlined mission and vision statement. They follow that to a T. Yeah. Well, I think what makes the value in that company is having individuals who have just as, as clearly defined mission and vision statements and then combining them together into a team. So I wonder like from an organizational standpoint, it's pretty common knowledge to say, Oh, hey, they have a mission and vision statement, but what is that like to have an individual personal mission and vision statement for your life? Yeah, I think I think a lot of people more broadly have principles, sure. and I, I'm, I may be assuming that more people do than they actually do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think I think a lot of people do have principles that they follow, mm-hmm. and I don't know that people really have a mission statement though. Is That's that... a really neat idea though to say, "Hey, what is my life going to be about? What am I going to do to ensure that each day has purpose? This is my mission statement. It's very personal. It's I mean, it's private. This is what I live by. I think that's pretty neat." 
Yeah, and I think you hit it right in the head with purpose because principles are important. I think purpose is equally important to kind of combine. There's got to be a third P in there that, that rounds <laughs> it out: principle, purpose, and Parker. perpetuity. <laughs> I don't know. That's funny. <laughs> Parker, do you have a a mission statement? Oh uh, yeah, mine's pretty simple. Um, the fact that he even has a mission statement, this is great. He's got I, I couldn't follow one if it was complicated, honestly. But I think it's to love and serve God, to love and serve others. And then with my passions um, is to be with people through hard times. Um, like so it. for me, that's counseling um, in, in different areas of life. But for me, that's really where I feel like I'm using my gifts most effectively. So the question for organizations, and once again, since we have this mission for for a person, a single person, Mm -hmm. would you say that you have altered actions, altered directions because of that mission statement? Yeah, I would say what I think, I think maybe altered actions halfway down the road. (laughs) So I've been halfway into an activity or a thought or an idea or whatever and think, does this line up with my personal Mm -hmm. mission and vision statement? And I haven't always made that U-turn. But in the moments where I have, it's really helped to say, it's very simple. Does this line up with my end goal? Yeah. Because we're all, I mean, we're we're here for a short time, whether we like it or not. So does this really line up with what I want to be known as? Because a few generations removed, no one's going to remember us past a few things that we did. Right. And what a cool rite of passage into adulthood to say, you're 18 now, you're 19, 20, 21. Make a mission statement for yourself. What is your life going to be about having that person to help them or us make that mission statement for our lives. What does it mean uh, for Jim to mention in the podcast that you don't have to be the best to be the leader? He mentioned that specifically you have the vision that others don't have and to take them along for the journey. I think it's a really great question because a lot of times whoever's going to take the lead, whether you're the best or not, everyone else is going to be watching, right? So someone is going to be watched. Someone is going to be followed. And I think that that just means if I'm not the best and I'm doing it, that's okay because I'm kind of the guinea pig anyways, but I'm the guinea pig of influence. And so they're going to watch and do what I do. Um, yeah, those are some of my thoughts on that. I like that. Leaders are the guinea pigs of influence. <laughs> yeah. And I think if I had to do it over again, I would re-ask that question because if you are the one in the room the most willing to lead and you have those abilities and skills, you're not overconfident, then I think you are the best leader. But I think a lot of times maybe I define the best leader as the most experienced or the most knowledgeable, and sometimes that's not the best leader. Absolutely. I've definitely seen people that have a lot of experience, but for whatever reason, whenever the whenever the time comes for someone to step up, it's not they who do. There's a lot to be said for, for willingness and for for someone who is just open to stepping in and is that that once again that men in the arena concept and it doesn't have to just be men but w- when leadership is needed are you going to be the person who's ready to step in and, and i think from the very beginning of this podcast i kind of talked about how you you don't just need the the skills you don't just need the knowledge you don't just need the experience you have to be ready when the time comes to to jump in and actually take leadership because if you have everything you need and you, you don't actually move, then then no one no one knows what you can do. You don't even know what you can do. So to really make an impact, you have to be willing to step forward and take the lead at some point. By default, oftentimes we're leaders. Someone's looking at us, but we don't realize it necessarily. Okay, so from the male perspective, do you guys kind of feel that invitation 24-7 of, hey, why don't you take the lead? You're the man. There, there definitely is that 
expectation in places from time to time. And I don't think that's all bad because I, I do think kind of going back to what Jim was saying about men and community, we, if, if we can take the easy road, then, then a lot of times men will do that. Or to use Jim's terminology, males will do that. He talked about the difference between men and mm-hmm. males. And I think um, by, by default, if there's an easy way out, a lot of males will take that if they're not trying to live proactively. And I can't speak for women, but I, I've seen that w- far too often with people that, that I know. And I'm sure there've been times like that in my own life as well, where, Hey, I'll just kind of cruise on by and, and not worry about anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think most of the times when I've been in those situations, I don't necessarily right or wrong, think of it as like a male female thing, but I think of it as, Hey, this person sees me as a leader whether I feel like it or not, I need to step up. It's good. So we kind of talked about the the initial startup of being a leader. Um, but one of the other things that Jim mentioned was the ability as a leader, once you're in that role, when you experience success with your group, uh, to be able to look out the window. And then we, you experience failure to look internally and look in the mirror, as he puts it. So I, I couldn't think of a great example of myself doing that. But I think it's a super important concept for leaders to do because it's not just the initial startup, right? I think it's also letting people see you as a leader, but seeing, letting them see you make mistakes and then letting them see you uh, handle success as well. That's so good. In my job as a manager of a shelter, I had an experience where I offended someone and it felt like a failure, right? And I had to look at myself in the mirror and say, this is me, this is my responsibility, and be humble in that situation. And then there were times inside of my workspace where we've had different victories with, with the girls that I work with. And I remember feeling the pleasure of, I bet my boss looks really good right now because it's success for all of us. So I think that that question is so interesting because before listening to this podcast, I had a little bit of that experience of I'm looking at myself. I have to take responsibility for my own actions. Right. But then being overjoyed in the success of of having a victory and knowing that it was all of our victory. Yeah. As far as, as far as looking in the mirror, it's a good reminder to me to, to, to make sure that when we have accomplished good things as a team, to make sure that they know that as well. Hmm. And because when I accomplish something, I, I, I that's what I expected myself. <laughs> and so, you know, not doing a ton of celebrating necessarily, but not everyone else feels quite the same way. And that's good for me to remember as a leader. Hmm. Yeah. And not, instead of being grateful for having that success of saying, well, that's the result that we wanted in the end. So good. We got it. Let's move on. Yeah. Hmm. So another thing that, that Jim talked about was the importance of making the people you serve your MVP. And so many times people or organizations will try to focus on themselves and really make themselves look great so that others will be attracted to them. But he talked about the importance of making whoever you're, either your client is, the person you're serving, whoever you exist for, making them the MVP. And when you do that, then that is going to lead to success because the people that you're serving are feeling really good about who they are. And that's why you exist. You exist to help them. And if, if you're helping them, then they're going to be more primed for success. I don't, I don't think we think about things that way enough. I really appreciated the way that he phrased that. Make the person you're serving your MVP. 
Well, I like that phrase that you just said, we exist to help them. Does every leader feel that they exist to help? Or do they think otherwise? I think that we should think that way, that we exist to help you, to serve you. Yeah, Uh, I think everybody wins when the customer, the demographic, or whoever you're serving is the focus and the MVP. Yeah, and so you just said something without meaning to say it, but uh, Lizzie Ingley, who was on episode eight, I believe, she uh, is the co-founder of a nonprofit called Maker Girl, and one of the principles that she talked about was that very principle that everybody wins. So how do we operate so that we are functioning as a team or an organization so that in as much as we can help it, everybody who is part of us is able to win in one way or another. Uh, so I think it's a great principle to to bring to your leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like giving all of your customers or demographic like a stock option, whether that's actually financially driven or not, like giving them a piece of the puzzle that matters and makes sense. Absolutely. People want to feel like they have a voice. So just giving people the opportunity to give an idea, give a thought. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as leaders, it helps us too to get more perspective and more wisdom in the room. Well, one of the things he was talking about, just to to kind of draw on one of his examples, is there's a backpacking company and he purchased a backpack from them and they would send him videos, you know, scheduled videos every week or every few days to help him to know how to make the most of what he had just purchased from them. And so they were making sure that he felt like he was as empowered as he possibly could be to make the most out of that gear. And that's going to attract him back to that organization, back to that business in the future. But if we can do that with our leadership in every area, attracting people back to us, because they know that when, when we are their leader, they are able to be more successful. And that's not to, to boost us up. But as leaders, we should be interested in helping people succeed. And if we can help them succeed, they're going to want to be part of what we're doing. I think that takes a lot of humility, um, especially when you don't feel like it, you know, and sometimes it just takes practice of saying, this is what I, what I do. And this is why I do it to serve you, to help you. Yeah. And that's another thing that he talked about. He talked about the importance of humility. And one of the things about humility is that the higher up we become, the more important it is for us to be humble as leaders. It's important at every step of the way. Don't, don't get me wrong there. We're all young leaders here. It's important for us to be humble. But the more successful we become, the higher up we go in organizations or in life, the more humble we need to be. Because it's a whole lot easier the higher up you get to, th- to attribute your success to the greatness of you. When in truth, there's so much beyond you that you can't control that has helped you to become the leader that you are. That could be you know, the grace of God, that can be the, the lives of other people, that can be circumstances that you had no control over. <laughs> it's so important that you recognize that as a leader and don't begin to say, hey, everything that I am, I've made myself. Because <laughs> that, that, that's a way to get yourself messed up in life really quickly, I think. And that's so key, recognizing where you're at. And there's nothing more fulfilling than than recognizing where you're at, feeling humbled by that recognition and then saying, okay, I have the resources to continue on, whether it be books or people or testimonies, experiences that other people have had. All right, well, let's go ahead and end it there for today and give our key takeaways. So if there are one, two, three things that you really think the listeners need to be taking away from this episode with Jim, this interview with Jim this week, what would those 
things be. Maria, how about you? Well, one thing that I found fun was understanding that to reach people of all ages, email still is the one of the better ways of, Absolutely. of communicating with people. And I think that that's encouraging for those of us of all ages who are trying to reach people. Email is still a good thing. Let that be known. There you go. The one key takeaway, email. Parker, <laughs> Parker what you got? I've just got one. And this is a question for me and, and the listeners as well. But in what areas of, of your life are you not in the arena? Are you on the bleachers? Are you in the sidelines? And why not? And, and what dreams do you have that you're not telling people about? And if money wasn't an option, what career do you want to do? Um, so to take one step towards that, and I, that sounds really great, but it's not a real glamorous process, but it is always worth it in the end. That's about the densest key takeaway I think we've had <laughs> yet. <laughs> There's a lot right there. That's good, though. Yeah, I, I have three. And the first one is just to be humble, and especially as you're growing as a leader, make sure that, you, that your humility is growing with you. The second one is to keep your mission at the forefront of what you do. That's as an organization, as a leader, and especially as a person. And finally, make the people that you serve your MVPs. And if you do that, you're very likely to be successful in what you're doing. I'd like to add a second key takeaway. Can you just, well, okay. Can you just edit this into as if it was like my second one after I did the email is still relevant? Why don't you say, just interject somehow. We're not going to edit it. That would be too awkward, I think. Oh, so, okay. You say, I have one more. <laughs> and you say, like, I'd also like to add. Yeah. In addition to my inside of email, <laughs> Facebook Messenger. Sounds so shallow. And I'm not even. Y'all heard of Snapchat? No, just like, just all the young kids are doing it now. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. Go ahead. Go ahead. What, what's that short video? I forget what it's Marco called. Marco Polo. No. It's like. <laughs> I don't Shut know. down. All right. Anyway. <laughs> what are you talking about? There's some. I literally wouldn't know. I'm not even sad. Short, like short video. You have your one cool dance these days. Oh, the woe. And so there's there's <laughs> this like this app that has like five second videos or something. It's, it's, it's not Vine, but it's like no. it's newer. I don't know. It's not. My goodness, y'all. Oh, what, well, like, why did I whisper it? Like <laughs> Grandpa can't hear us when we talk like this. <laughs> I don't know why I did Dude, that. Why is this not on the podcast? It's really funny. <laughs> Last time someone said that, it all ended up on there. Oh, okay. Well, I'd like to add one more thing. I love what you said about humility. And he mentioned one phrase that I thought was really cool. He said, have extreme personal humility with intense professional will. And when I heard that, I thought, let me just dig deep, deeper into that because that's really important. Extreme personal humility with intense professional will. And so how can I be better at doing those two things? That's a good word. Well, Maria, Parker, thanks for joining the show this week. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Thanks for joining the show this week. I hope you learned something new and feel more prepared to take leadership in your own life to the next level. If you found this content valuable and would like to help out the podcast, here are three things you can do. One, subscribe to the podcast so you'll get new episodes each week as they come out. Two, share this episode with someone you think could benefit from it. And three, give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes or wherever else you listen to podcasts. All three of these actions will help to make it easier for others to find us and join the community. You can never have too many good leaders, right? Until next time, keep living and leading well. Hey. 
Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.